Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. It's benefit season. We all know providing benefits is a cornerstone of employee retention. But many small businesses are priced out or completely disqualified from providing health coverage to their employees. Not any longer. Now, PCA members can get health coverage and they can even tailor options to meet their company's needs. To learn more about all the benefits PCA has to offer and to become a member, go to pcapainted.org. This episode is brought to you by Benjamin Moore and Sherwin Williams. I am sitting here with Doug Small. He is with the city of Albuquerque. Um, we are doing this interview because we're bringing Expo down to Albuquerque here in February, and we will be doing a Paint It Forward project. Doug is with the city of Albuquerque and the Civic Engagement Department, correct? Correct. I'm the Civic Engagement Manager for the Mayor's Office and the city of Albuquerque. Tell us a little bit about yourself, um, your role, and how you got into all of this. Sure. So um, I grew up here in New Mexico, uh, went to school in Albuquerque, New Mexico, uh, Sandia Matador, graduated in 2012. Uh, went, was out of state for college for a little bit, but found my way back to Albuquerque. I've been working for the city for almost four years now, uh, joining the mayor's administration in 2019, uh, January 2019. Um, and since July, I've actually jumped over to a different uh, role within the administration in the Office of Civic Engagement. So I help oversee um, a lot of the work that they do. And um, how did PCA get a, in connection with you all? Yeah, so PCA reached out to us. Uh, they called the mayor's office and said, you know, hey, we're going to be having a convention here in February and we're looking to volunteer some time and help support the community. And so that call got routed over to me and we tried to find an opportunity that would fit them. Awesome. And we're going to talk about that opportunity in a little bit. I want to highlight a little bit more about your department and the civic engagement. Tell us more about it. Yeah, so the Office of Civic Engagement was created in 2019, um, about June or July of 2019. And sort of the idea of this office and these particular roles was to create uh, different pathways for people to engage with their local community and local government. Um, one of the things that we really prioritized is finding ways for people to be able to provide their uh their service if they choose to volunteer, but also just trying to help support and foster different community initiatives. So any sort of nonprofits that want to um, sort of leverage any of the city's network to help uh, their mission and their recruitment pieces, we help support those. Um, we help support a lot of different programming within uh, schools. We're really trying to expand on that, um, particularly trying to find internship placements and really pathways to employment. Um, you know, that's one of the pieces that we really work hard on with our volunteer initiatives is viewing them as really an opportunity to showcase your skills and really gain new ones that are going to be used later on in life and could potentially be things that you can, you can use for a job. Now, this folds into the larger initiative that you guys call One Albuquerque. Talk to us about what this is and this blueprint that you're putting forth because the city's growing. Correct. Yeah, so One Albuquerque is sort of the city's um, logo, if you will, but it also has a bit of a 
a deeper meaning behind it. So um, the logo in itself in the design, uh, one of the pieces that you'll see highlighted there is Burke, right? And that's what a lot of people here in Albuquerque call the city. Um, you know, you're either a Burqueño, you're from Burke or something of the sort. And so that was one of the pieces that we wanted to highlight in that to really recognize that as part of our history, um, Albuquerque. Albuquerque used to be called Albuquerque prior to statehood, and not exactly sure why we lost the R, but you know that one kind of kind of fell off there. But so it's a bit of an homage to our past, but also sort of a look in towards the future. And the piece where that uh, sort of comes together when we say one Albuquerque, um, it's really meant to mean that we're all in it together, that we're all. Uh, that we're all sort of on this path together and that we sort of have to work together and able to make that work out. One of the other things you'll notice within the design uh, concepts is that there's different colors to symbolize different departments, different initiatives, different things like that. And um, it's really to recognize individual identity, but as a collective of one and part of, part of a solution-oriented goal towards all of us working together to solve our issues. And one of the things we were talking about offline earlier is really the impact of local government, because that's what impacts your life on a day-to-day basis, more so than what people might see on TV or hear on the radio, um, you know, when they talk about national news. Talk about some of the impacts of local government. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think uh, when it really comes down to it, local government is the ones who oftentimes are responsible for your municipal trash pickup. Um, they're going to be the ones responsible for making sure that the lights are on, the street lights, you know, that the roads are paved. There's so many intricate aspects to where local government touches people's lives. It's really important to make sure that it's being done well. <laughs> um, and I think one of the things that we really try to focus on and really try to work on with this is to provide um, different pathways to make sure that we're hearing people's voices on this. You know, we only function as well as the uh, the awareness and information that we have of this. So enabling and empowering people to make sure that they're part of the conversation is tantamount to successfully running anything. And what are some of the, the goals for One Albuquerque? Yeah, so one of the goals really for our space in our area of the Office of Civic Engagement specifically is uh, that sort of piece that I was mentioning, the empowerment of folks to really be a part of their community, to have a voice in it. And you can find that through a multiplicity of different ways, whether that's um, going to a council meeting and making sure your voice is heard on legislation, or if you want to volunteer your time at the animal shelter or the biopark or any number of the thousand different community organizations that are here within the city that are part of that network of volunteers and service. Um, one of, you know, we really want to be able to empower people to find the beauty of their community. And I think one of the most important ways that we can do that is to help support um, and build systems for them to actually uh, make those connections. And was this developed out of a sense that there is a lack of investment or a lack of engagement in community? Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say that. So I think Albuquerque's always had a very rich uh, history of service and volunteerism. Um, I think one of the goals that we really had was to try to help systematize that a little bit more um, and really provide the support that needed to be there for some organizations. You know, we also want to recognize we're not the ones that we're not the know all of everything. Right. So like really, we view ourselves as a support mechanism to help um, foster that sort of service minded notion that we know a lot of people here have, but also not reinvent the wheel and recognize that there's so many great community organizations here that do that work day in and day out and do it incredibly well. So really just to provide that network of support that wherever we can and wherever we should be fitting in. And also too, it helps as the city begins to grow bigger and bigger. Talk to me, you you know, offline we were discussing some of the major companies that are coming here and, you know, like Netflix and Amazon, you know, you so there is an investment from even uh 
corporate uh, uh, investment. There is, yeah. So, I mean, the city is on a growth track right now. Um, New Mexico as a whole is becoming one of the hottest markets for movie production. Um, you know, as we mentioned offline, Netflix has uh, signed a $10 billion deal to really do a lot of their production here. Um, they are, you know, <laughs> it's changing the landscape and is bringing a lot of more folks, a lot more folks here. And that's a great thing. And we're prepared for that. But it also means that we have to change and adapt with it. And that means everything from our housing policies to making sure that we're actually keeping up with the pace of development towards our responsiveness um, towards different issues that may arise with it. Um, you know, we want to be conscious of uh, being a pro-growth city and pro-growth state in that regard, but also making sure that we don't lose the character and charm that really comes with being New Mexican or being a Burqueño. And part of that is going to be the $10 billion investment from PCA. Joking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we're going to do as much as we can. Um, so the Gibson Medical Center is going to be a paint-it-forward project that people are going to be participating in uh, when they come down here for Expo. And it has historical ties. So I think that that's a great segue into the project that people will be doing. Yeah, it does. And, you know, just to note on those historical ties, um, one of the folks you'll be hearing from here in a minute, uh, Doug Chaplin, he'll really be sort of setting up a lot of the history and really iconic pieces behind this. But one thing I just want to mention is, you know, every single person in Albuquerque has memory of this place. Um, if you've been here for most of your life, then chances are you have been here for either to see a family member or for a birth of a child or any number of things. Myself was, um, I, my brother had gotten injured in, during basketball. So I just remember being here in this lobby when I was a little kid. Um, but there's just so much history here that um, is really being encapsulated within this one facility. And I think that's a great segue to sort of to talk about the role of PCA in this. You know, we're very happy and very grateful that you guys had reached out to us um, about, you know, just finding a different way to give back to a community that in many cases isn't going to be your own. But I think that really just has to really set it straight. Like it has such an impact on the people that will live here. This, we really believe, is going to be a transformative institution for our response towards those that are going through some of the toughest times of their lives. And to be a part of that, I think, is really something special and something I know that I'm really grateful to be working on day in and day out. And as everyone will hear in a few minutes about all of the different phases that will be going into the Gibson Medical Center, I know that you guys had to do a lot of pre-planning. Um, to figure out how can this best serve Albuquerque? What all went into that? Yeah, so, I mean, there was a lot that went into this place. Um, you know, that was everything from the mayor and the executive team of the city traveling to multiple cities across the country to really see how they're dealing with um, the challenges surrounding um, the increases in uh, in homelessness really around the country. You know, this is something that every major American city is seeing right now. Um, it's very unfortunate, but it also does not like it doesn't by any means mean that it's something that we can turn a blind eye to. And so when we develop this entire system of care, as we call it, um, this is really based on the information that we attain from a lot of other municipalities that, as I mentioned, the mayor, the executive team, different uh, leaders within their fields. So the family community services staff, they all traveled to these different places, met with the folks there that are administering their programs, and then sort of brought all that information back together and really brought it forward as the Gibson Health Hub or the Gibson Medical center sort of has a bit of a fluid name piece to it right now but um uh, really where that sort of landed on was uh, noting that Albuquerque needed a solution that would work for it. Um, you know, we're not Austin, we're not San Francisco, we're not Denver, we're not any of the other cities, so we're not trying to replicate anything. We're trying to create something that is really going to work for the people of Albuquerque and work for those that need it the most. And so 
where that really came from, uh, you know, 2019, we put uh, there was a bond package that voters approved um, to really for the city to invest over 14 million dollars in a facility. Um, and come April 2021, that's when the Gibson Health Hub was officially purchased. And um, what we have here today, we're currently in the remodeling stages and doing a lot of renovation as we sort of prep for the project pieces that I know one of my colleagues will talk about more later. But um, right now we're in just sort of that stage of trying to get this place launched and really uh, bringing the services online so that we can begin helping those in our community that need help the most. And one of the things I want to stress, you know, this is what we were talking about earlier, about really being involved in your local government, because we always hear extremes. Like, for example, I used to live in San Francisco. Who knows if this is true? This was 10 years ago, but they... One thing I heard is, oh, they give homeless people $50 a month or something like that, or $50 a week. Well, is that a solution? Long term, no. And then you hear on the other side, just get people off of the street. But then you need to hear the full story and how are we making an impact that's not only helping the person that's involved, but the community at a larger scale. That's why I love this story. Yeah, and I, you know, I think one of the pieces you touched on there is um, – the folks that are like going to be utilizing the services are most affected. Those are the voices that actually we need to hear the most of, right? Um, one of the things that we did when it came to the actual Gibson, Gibson Medical Center was we had focus groups with folks that are unhoused, you know, saying like, what would be best to have at this place? What would actually help, right? Um, I think oftentimes lost in the conversation surrounding housing and homelessness is the folks that are actually experiencing it. Um, because, you know, there's no bright day when you're living on the street. There's, there's just so many challenges that go into that that I think people don't necessarily recognize for very understandable reasons in many cases. But um, I think it's really an important piece to add to that conversation and something that we have consciously done with this particular facility, but also try to do as a general context in our um, management of any sort of situation like this. One of the other pieces I want to touch on here um, was, you know, the city's approach towards housing and homelessness has always been what we call a housing first approach. Um, that means that, you know, ultimately the best method to end um, someone's cycle of homelessness is to find them housing and to actually help them become self-sufficient and being able to live on their own. Now, there's a lot of barriers that can exist for them, whether those are behavioral health issues, whether those are substance abuse issues. But the reality is that um, it's, it's not something that changes without having that housing first approach. And so this has also culminated not just in the Gibson Health Hub, but a lot of the city's policy as we're moving forward with something called the Housing Forward Albuquerque Plan. Um, this is a method that we're using, or not a method, really kind of a string of legislative pieces as well as different projects where we're trying to bring online 5,000 additional new housing units by the year 2025 um, to help supplement the lack of housing that we're really experiencing in the city. And this is something, again, that is happening in most major American cities and something that I think you're going to hear uh, being talked about a lot in different local governments and municipalities because, um, you know, it's not just a local issue, it's a national issue but the one that is ultimately being solved locally. You were talking about listening to the voices of the people who need help. Some of these things that I know as we were walking through the facility you were pointing out to me is they're going to be able to bring their stuff. Mm -hmm. And also we're going to have social workers that work with them. And I am assuming that came from feedback from them directly. So as opposed to having a police officer deal with them, you're going to have a social worker and bring them into this network um, so that it's a win-win for everybody. 
Correct. Yeah. And this, um, this is another aspect of the city's um, sort of responsiveness towards this issue. Uh, one that I'm glad you mentioned here, it's Albuquerque Community Safety. Um, this is a new department that was created just last year. Um, and they are almost 24-7 uh, call responsive now. This is basically a department that is a third option when someone calls 911. So um, that basically means that if someone calls 911, there can be a myriad of reasons, whether it's a personal safety issue or they see someone passed out on the sidewalk and they're concerned for their safety. Um, right now, what that what that occurs in what occurs in Albuquerque rather is that when that call goes into the dispatcher, they'll either select to send a police officer, a fire response team, or a Albuquerque community safety coordinator. Um, and what those folks do, they're trained clinical social workers that are really trying to help get people the help that they need in the most appropriate way. You know, one of the things that we want to focus on with our police department is making sure that they're actually fighting crime, right? We don't need police officers to be responding to folks that are passed out at a bus stop or someone that has an encampment, right? What we really need them to do is be focusing on sort of challenging the or solving some of the challenges surrounding crime and really focusing really finding the folks that need help, bringing them the help that they need. Um, so Albuquerque Community Safety is going to be an integral part of this whole system of care. Um, you know, it'll be a great, once the Gibson Medical Center, or sorry, Gibson Health Hub uh, pieces are completed, uh, you know, we'll have the medical respite, sobering center and shelter area in phase one. Um, those will be places for people to actually be dropped off to actually receive the care that they need. I think one of the things that we find really challenging right now is that Albuquerque doesn't have a 24-7 solution for a lot of these places, which this place will be. It will be a low barrier entry, 24-7 um, operated facility that really gets people the help that they need. And um, really expanding out that system of care, whether it's the police, fire, or ACS response, this will be a place for them to really actually be able to take folks to receive the help they need. Right. And it's a solution to, because you were telling me earlier that right now the emergency center is essentially a jail that's like 35 miles away, yeah. inaccessible for most people. This is right in the middle of town. Um, so it answers a lot of questions and needs. It does. Yeah. And, you know, I think one of the things that has just happened here here in Albuquerque, but across, like we said, across many U.S. cities, is that just the problems that have um, shown themselves in this particular area have happened so fast that it's been really hard to adapt for a lot of municipalities. And then specifically for a lot of uh, sort of folks in the nonprofit sector and community that do a lot of this work. Um, you know, it's Historically, I think a lot of this has been done within that field and it's been done excellently and we applaud everyone for it. And we look forward to all of them being partners as we continue moving forward. But I think the reality is that, you know, this has progressed in such a rapid manner that it does necessitate um, sort of a really aggressive change. And that's really what we hope the Gibson Medical Center can, or Gibson Health Hub can really be with this one. The reason why I'm spending time drilling down on all of this is because I want people to realize that when they come down here, participate and paint it forward, how much of an impact they're doing. They may just see the wall that they're painting, but that ripples to so many lives. It does. Yeah. And, you know, I think really the really cool thing about this PCA project, um, you know, like we said, that every single person in Albuquerque that's lived here for some time has a memory of this place that you're going to be working on. So you're not only going to be impacting the lives of those that need it the most that are on the street, you're also going to be having sort of a ripple effect impact on like the, everyone in here in Albuquerque because this is such an iconic piece of our history and our culture in this city. And so it's really, really exciting to be able to partner on this project in such a manner. 
And I know that we have some small goals that we want to achieve when we're here, obviously getting people involved, but we also want to drum up media attention. But the work doesn't stop there. You know, they come here for a day and donate their time, but you guys need a lot more volunteers and a lot more help to accomplish this big vision. How can people get involved? Yeah, so the easiest way to get involved is 1abqvolunteers.com. Um, this is a platform that we, the city has built and operated for about two years now, um, where we're sort of a clearinghouse for a lot of different opportunities within the city, but also um, a myriad of community organizations, right? So we have everyone from the Roadrunner Food Banks on there to um, just, I mean, a ton of different community organizations that take part in this and are able to show um, ways that you can be involved in your community, right? Uh, you know, the city, one way or the other, will be able to work on a lot of these pieces. We really think it's important for people to have a say in it. And one of the best ways to do that is to participate. Um, so if anyone has any questions, you know, you can always reach out to our Office of Civic Engagement. Um, and, you know, we are always happy to uh, take people through that process. And I would love to see local contractors continue to volunteer with you guys. I know that it's not uncommon for you to get volunteers that they're very skilled in a trade and then you find a job for them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, one of the biggest pieces for us uh, with the Office of Civic Engagement is really viewing volunteerism as a pathway to employment. That could either be for the city or for any other organization. But I mean, one of the really cool things about the platform that we've built is it tracks all of the different opportunities that you've done. It tracks every qualification you've ever needed to go through in order to do that. Um, it tracks all the hours that you put into it. So you can really use it as a resume piece for many of these cases. And, um, you know, we've hired plenty of folks that have volunteered at our facilities before. Um, we hope to continue doing that. But we also hope it's really something that benefits folks as they're looking to advance their careers and just their general interests in life and that we can help support that. All right. So thank you so much for your time, Doug. We're going to hop over and interview your colleague who is going to tell us more about this particular project. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for having me. Uh, we're really looking forward to seeing folks here in February. And um, in the meantime, if you have any questions, of course, you know, we're just a phone call away. Yep. And I encourage anyone li listening that is in the greater Albuquerque area that want to come to our expo, you're more than welcome to come and then also to participate in the Paint It Forward event on February 21st. So I'm sitting here with Doug Chaplin, right? Yes, that's correct. And uh, tell us about your involvement in this project. So I'm the operations manager. I'm the project person for the Gibson Health Hub, the overall building here. And I know you were telling me earlier that this center has a significant impact in the community. Yeah, the Gibson Health Hub has a long history here, and it uh, goes back to the 1940s, 1950s, um, when uh, it was it was brought on by uh, Dr. Loveless, and they uh, originally uh, did a lot of research for uh, some of the astronauts in, in some of the space programs in the 50s. They was considered one of the largest six hospitals in the country on par with Mayo Clinic at this time back in the 1950s. And, and Loveless grew this facility from a fairly small hospital on the east end to uh, what you see now, which is 570,000 square feet that encompasses uh, three different hospitals uh, that are fully accredited hospitals and operating uh, here at the Gibson Health Hub. And kind of go back in time a little bit about how, you know, everyone in the local community recognizes this building. They've been here at least once. 
Yeah, this is uh, has a lot of history here. Most people identify with the Gibson Health Hub. For example, my daughter was born here. I had my tonsils taken out here. I've given many tours, and and ladies have you know talked about walking on the track when they're in labor, or folks that have had surgery use that to kind of part of their rehab and get up and get going. So most people have had some some sort of connection uh, with this facility. And so, what happened over time? Like, so I believe you told me it changed hands, owners. But what went down? So um, in the early 2000s, the Loveless Hospital purchased another building closer to downtown Albuquerque. Um, They relocated and they sold to another um, healthcare group. Um, That healthcare group operated uh, the facility for the next seven years, went through about four iterations, and um, eventually – have relocated all their services out of this facility. During that time, they sold the facility into private ownership hands. And um, and then we bought the facility from those private owners in April of 2021, April 1st of 2021, in fact. And when you say we, you mean the city of Albuquerque. Yeah. And what what is the goal? What what does the city of Albuquerque want to do with this center? So part of the branding, the Gibson Health Hub, um, captures the fact that we want this to be a place of uh, 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 recovery and uh, hope and recovery uh, for individuals to uh, come in here, receive some healing, make some connections. It will be it will serve both the housed and uh, non-housed populations in the city of Albuquerque. And we really want to make intentional connections to different services to help people get along their path. One of the most interesting things that I think we're trying to do here is going to be include a sheltering component. Um, and we're bringing that online. That will come online in uh, uh, early uh, 2023. Um, we're going to serve 50 women. Um, we're going to really reach into the American uh, Indian community. Uh, they're well overrepresented on the streets of Albuquerque. About 40% of the folks that are um, unsheltered in Albuquerque are Native American. And so we've been working with service providers in that group so that we can build a shelter and then operate it in a culturally appropriate way that will attract them into this uh, this facility so that they can be put on a path to recovery and becoming housed. Yeah. And talk about some of the other resources that are being developed. So in, a, in addition to just the shelter, we're going to have a 50-bed uh, sobering center, and that will be a place for individuals that are um, found inebriated on the streets of Albuquerque. Um, right now, all of our rescue personnel are taking those folks to emergency rooms, and um, sometimes they have to wait hours to get them checked in, and so it takes them offline and it clogs up the emergency room. And uh, in fact, we respond, to, the city of Albuquerque responds to about 18,000 calls a year like that. So this is going to provide relief for hospitals and AFR where they can bring that individual here. There will be a medical approach. They'll receive care. um, And we're hoping to connect them with counseling and services going forward. Most likely, folks are going to come in and out of here many times before they're ready to make a change in their life. But we want to be there. We want to build trust over time so that when they're ready to make a change, we're there to make the connection for them to move on and, and gain some sobriety and recovery. Now, you guys purchased this facility in uh, April of 2021, correct? That's correct. And, you you know, over the last 18 months or so, you guys have been doing some tr- strategic planning, developing all of these resources. When are we looking to have a completion date? And, you know, you're going to launch in phases. Let's talk about phase one first. So phase one will be the 50-bed women's shelter uh, included in the phase one 50-bed Women's shelter is going to be a sobering center, and we're going to have a medical respite facility. And the medical respite facility is designed for non-housed individuals that have been in the hospital. They've had some sort of medical procedure, perhaps surgery. Um, Right now, if they're discharged to the street, 
it, they can uh, re, you know, infect their wound, make it worse. They end up back in the hospital. Um, it's really not a good a good situation. And so, in the medical respite, it provides a place for them to stay 45, 60 days while we try to find some housing for them and make that connection. The other exciting thing that's uh, included in there is uh, first responder drop off. And so we have the Albuquerque um, Community. Um, services department, and they work with like a, non, a lot of folks that are um, um, in a state of crisis that doesn't require them to be in jail, that doesn't require them to be in a hospital. And this will be a place for them to come, um, have a landing spot, and then be connected with case management so we can put them on a, on, a, on a path as well. And then also within that first phase is what we call the engagement center, which is a series of offices that will be staffed by different social service providers in our community um, to fit the needs of the individuals that are in all those different services. So that's phase one. Those will be delivered uh, starting in, in probably early spring of 2023, and then throughout the year, they'll come on in phases. The larger phase two, um, we're in the uh, early conceptual design phase, um, and we hope to break ground on that also in the middle of 23, 24, and then bring that on by the end of 2024. And then that will um, support over uh, 200 different individuals and families. Nice. And uh, talk a little bit about the need for a center like this, uh, because you know, as we were talking earlier this morning, a lot of nonprofits are trying to solve solutions, but their their scope might be a little bit narrow. And this is attacking the issue from a holistic perspective. Yeah, so what we're doing here is we're building a system of care where there's an intentional connection based on the individual's need at that particular time. So the folks that are out on the streets most of them are, you know, half of them are suffering close to a, a substance abuse issue. Half of them have a mental health issue. Some of it's just economic. They need help finding a job. And so when they come into a facility like this, there will be an uh, individual service plan that's developed for them along with the exit strategy. And so we will connect them with resources that help them move along their path to become self-sufficient, obtain dignity and humanity along the way. And what that looks for them is going to be different. You know, it's, it's different for you. It's different for me. And it's going to be uh quite different for them. The neat thing about the hospitals and the resources that we have here, so if we find someone in our shelter that's struggling with substance abuse, we can work with them. And then if they finally get to that point where they're ready to, to work on their sobriety, we will work with Turquoise Lodge, which is a state-run hospital, substance abuse hospital, to get them into that, that facility. Once they've done their, their uh, treatment period, we were gonna create a space that if they don't have a house at that particular point, they can come back into the shelter create little safe zones that is amenable to their the recovery plan at that particular point in time. So um, you have that, you have a behavioral health hospital here that can suit their needs. Um, and then if they're having some medical issues, we have the medical respite. So it's really an integrated approach to um, a system of care for those that are both housed and unhoused in our community. That's awesome. And the reason why we're doing this for the Painting Contractors Association, this interview. It might sound like an NPR interview, but the reason why we're doing it is because we're bringing Expo down here to Albuquerque in February. And the day before Expo starts, we're doing a Paint It Forward event. So our board members, attendees are going to come down here and help out. And give us a little lay of the land. What are they going to be participating in in that day of Paint It Forward? 
One of the neat things about this facility is we have this iconic lobby area that is a two-story lobby area. It has a lot of Southwestern design and art that we want to um, retain the motive. Um, we're in improving the lighting, which helps us with energy efficiency, but it also starts you know, showing some blemishes a little bit more. And we really want to preserve this because um, of what we talked about that earlier. People have a connection and they remember this lobby. And so... Um, we're asking that if you could come in and help us um, paint certain parts of this, there's some uh, that need some attention that would really preserve that going into the future. Awesome. Well, I am looking forward to our people coming down here and making an impact and really want to hear how all of this turns out, you know, over the next year or so. Well, hopefully we can stay in touch and, and you guys will return for another um, convention at some point. We'd love to have you. We have, you know, not just our annual event, but we have regional events and this would be a, a great location to come back to. We'll come back and we'll kind of give you a progress update and a special tour just for your membership. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thanks for asking us. Paint Ed podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.